0: city is for some glamorous, stimulating, prosperous. Only recently has it become dangerous. Jack, I think I found something. Three women were strangled over the last two weeks. You're on the lifestyle desk. You're not covering a homicide. I think the murders are connected.
1: Another woman was strangled.
0: Candy here in uh Chicago.
2: Hey how are you Candy? It's Eugene
0: here in in Toronto. Yep and um thank you for listening whoever's out there. Uh, We haven't made a podcast in a couple of weeks and um thank you for listening. Happy summer and you know I'm happy right now Eugene because I'm a Grinch when it comes to summer. (laughs) Not my season.
2: Well it's we're in the midst of a heat wave here. It's really monstrously hot right now.
0: Yeah, same here. Um, I love the beautiful term heat wave. You know, that's a very positive spin on things.
2: <laughs> Catch a wave. Catch a wave. On top of the world or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been brutal hot this week, too. And I'm just ready for my sweaters and jeans.
2: <laughs> well, we've been living in chaos for, for the last week or so. Really? Do tell. Well, we had a, a room in the basement, which used to be my studio, for okay. moved my studio out to the garage.
1: Yeah.
2: And when I moved my studio to the garage, the job of that room became hold all the crap we don't know what to do with. Oh, yeah. So it was just a clutter room. Yeah. And there was a problem with the floor, and we thought there might be some mold under it uh-huh the jury's really out on that okay. uh anyway, we pulled up that old floor and with your n95 masks i take it uh, yeah
0: yeah because uh, <laughs> uh, you know when there's mold you just start digging at it
2: yeah so um we we had the the basement tiled so it okay. got a new floor on it now Ooh. and then it needs painting so I said I will paint this basement room yeah earn a few uh the hub- husband points you know yeah uh, it seemed like a reasonable thing to do Uh-oh. and uh, my partner Sheila says well of course there's also the trim on the upstairs Uh-oh. and once the trims done then we have the bathroom in the upstairs and then <laughs> there's the kitchen ceiling which has never even been primed since um since we had the leak from the bathroom above um uh, so we negotiated and we decided, we agreed that I would paint the basement <coughs> floor and sorry, the basement walls and, and any other painting, we would hire a pro. Oh. And so Sheila immediately um, contacted two girls in a brush. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And the woman comes over and quotes, and uh, what started with a little bit of trim turned into. The front hallway, all the trim on the main floor, the kitchen walls, the, the kitchen ceiling, the dining room walls, oh the dining God. room cabinets, the living room walls and cabinets, the bathroom. So anyway, the whole. House. That, there's two floors, one in the living room and one in the dining room. And I know most of our listeners will think who has painted wood floors, but we do. Yeah, I love I love painted wood floors. Um, what colors did you change up the colors or anything like that or white? Well, oh, yes, we we radically changed up the colors. Oh because um before we put the wacky colors in that were there until last week, um the place was mostly very white with lots of art on it. Mm-hmm. And eventually we got sick of that and decided we need to infuse our place with bright colors, fuchsia pinks. Yay. That sort of thing, but we kind of got sick of that too, and we oh. thought, let's just choose some very muted, neutral colors, whites, and close to whites. Okay. Um, okay. With uh, gray cabinets and a gray Wait. floor. Now, where and, would those cabinets be? Those are the ones that are built into the walls in the dining room and living room. Oh right. Okay. Yes. Great. So wow. you, I bet it feels really fresh,
0: fresh and clean in there.
2: Yeah. We have to do the, the interior uh, of the bookshelves ourselves. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's too expensive. And Yeah. Um, and then we have the floor. So one of the floors has been painted. And we're going to put the house back together and then paint the other floor. And the idea is we've been trying to mostly stay off that floor for a few days. Yeah, so how'd that still... go with all the pets? Um, we used sheets and we stapled sheets across the entranceways. Nice, just fine. Um, So we wanted that wood floor to cure as much as possible because once you put furniture in there, it starts really digging at the non-cured paint. True. So anyway, it's been chaos. We're just slowly starting to put our life back together. Oh my goodness! Well, it sounds really like a nice, fresh,
0: freshening up, and uh, you'll be glad for it once you get all your your books put away and everything.
2: You have to let those bookshelves dry quite a bit for painting them too. Uh yeah, and I think we're going to um, put back fewer books that we take out. Okay. Yeah. That's the plan. Maybe uh sell some or
0: give trade with people or give them away or something.
2: I think these days with books there's not much selling. There's yeah. a glut of books. There's a million little free libraries. Yeah. Um, we're going to try to find homes for our books for sure. Good. We'll
0: very wow. nice. Very nice. Well, you know, I I post on Facebook, but I inherited a few books from a late friend of mine. And I a went out to Iowa, things. and I picked them up, and I actually got about 80 books. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Keep
2: you out of trouble for a while?
0: You know, the it's so weird, because I was going, to, you know, thinking I had given away probably 80 books a couple of months ago. <laughs> so the universe apparently wants me to have a very full library and um some of the books i took i even already had beautiful (laughs) and i had read but there was something about you know your friend that has passed away and seen these books that you had in common i just felt like i needed those books more than the any other books i get it yeah and um i've been looking at a few of them and it's been really fun it's um I've revisited uh Baudrillard. Who, you know, I never even thought about. I I read him when he came out and he wrote a number of books, but I'm reading um one of his biggest famous ones right now and I'm loving every second of it. It seems more on the money than it did back in the 80s. It's crazy. What if he's like I don't see him as a philosopher now. I think he's a futurist.
2: <laughs> well, it's always nice I think to encounter books that you wouldn't otherwise find yourself reading that is true sometimes i like to do it sometimes all the recommendations in the world will not budge me to read a book and Very i good. can't tell you why sometimes that is true but i just read one from a, a recommendation that was a delight um a book of short stories by a uh, guy Vanderhag called um, daddy lennon oh and it's a group of stories about fairly ordinary people um, at times when extraordinary things happen to them. Very nice. I, I, I read a book of his,
0: you know, I was trying to read um, governor general, you know, Canadian award-winning books at one point I used Mm -hmm. to read, try to read Pulitzers and bookers too. I'd kind of go out of my way. Um, And it was, I can't remember the name of it at all, but it was about a massacre. It was,
2: it was very, very good. I think he wrote a couple of trilogies set in the West.
0: You know, yes like exactly this was part of that this was part of that for sure in my western reading phases
2: <laughs> what i liked about this book of short stories was the narrative voice oh uh it's a narrative voice the reason it was recommended to me was our friend claude had read all of the squeeze box man series that very nice I and then he read this book and he said you know, Eugene should read this book. The <laughs> book reminds me of Squeezebox Man. Wow. And that's kind of interesting. And yeah. I'm not quite sure if I get that, but um I there's a kind of like direct narrative voice uh that's understated that I really like. Uh okay. that that maybe uh my writing and this guy's writing share. Yeah. In any case, it's a lovely book, well worth reading, good summer reading. What stood out? What story stood out to you? Oh, there's share a story it. About a guy who sees his professor many years after he left school and he follows him to find out where he lives and knocks on his door and they talk and he invites this guy to dinner. Wow. And then we slowly learn the past, what happened at that time when this professor was one of those sorts of professors who had a kind of charisma and attracted many young students Mm -hmm. and they would go drinking and talking about philosophy and art and and literature and all of that well I know professors like that yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, and and then something happened Uh oh it takes a long time before we find out what happened but it involves the professor having an affair with the narrator's wife (laughs) We certainly, certainly could have leapt to that conclusion. Uh, yeah. And and it involves um, a book on the curriculum of this guy's English classes that he teaches, uh, which is a book which could be seen to promote fascism. uh uh-huh. aha,
0: uh-huh. Very interesting. And, oh, yeah, my God. that's and, creepy and, and so, scary.
2: Yeah. So he's a creepy and scary guy who's very with a lot of magnetism and... Uh, this guy sees them and he wants to, he wants to have it out with him or he wants to talk to him. He doesn't, we don't really know what he wants. Hmm. Uh, and so he invites him for dinner and doesn't tell his wife, Ooh. He to surprise his wife. And she says, yeah, have fun and drives off in her, in her BMW. Um, right. so that was a, was a very compelling story. And of all the stories, I, I sort of think they all kind of have to do with ordinary people. hmm have these events in their lives which uh allow the author to explore various ideas
1: hmm. uh,
2: they're different lengths but mostly there are average short story lengths like 30 pages yeah very there's nice. a few shorter ones uh maybe a couple longer ones very nice well worth reading hmm.
0: how good well i have been reading <laughs> nothing new <laughs> i reread cormette mccarthy's recent novels And I switched them around. Instead of reading the first published one, The Passenger, I read the second published one, Stella Maris, and then moved into The Passenger. And um, it was a, you know, when you're writing notes, it takes, it's kind of hard work because you have got to stop and write down the page number, write down the quote, post it note it. So I post it, note it, write the page number on it so I can take all the post-it notes off and stick them onto a page later and then go through the notes and see if I need to use that. Trying I to see. find a fast way to do it. But you know, it's the stop and go. It's kind of annoying. But uh, boy, I really noticed a lot more things this time around.
2: Uh, I bet you Chad GBT would help you with that.
0: Uh, ha, ha, you're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my theory is that this is AI resistant, this novel. Uh, okay. So um, I think it's written in in intentional non linearity. Uh, so I'm comparing it to other artists that write with intentional non-linear style David Lynch and William Burroughs and I'm looking into their vaudeville crossover and art of misdirection and magic crossover and I'm having a lot of fun I haven't I haven't finished writing it yet but I've got a lot of research done so that's what I just doing for reading yeah and kind of obsessed with it you know, thinking about it when I go to sleep and stuff And well, um, surviving the summer, I went to a wedding shower, which was a real treat because it's been a long time since I've been at such a fun, you know, positive event and um, try to figure out clothes to wear and how to be comfortable in the heat. Forgot my shoes in the car and ended up going with my flip flops. Nobody noticed, but I did feel I did feel bad about it. <laughs> but you know what? I was super
2: comfortable. Like that. <laughs> yeah well this morning I hung some works in an art exhibition oh that I had no plans to be part of um <laughs> uh, okay. we were contacted uh, a few months back by Bruce Parsons an artist that we know from our days at York University
1: hmm.
2: he was a professor there and somehow he heard about Uh, Sheila and I and our friend Ted uh, play music together Uh and so he called me up and invited us to perform a couple sets of music during the closing of his art show which coincides with the anniversary 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 Mm -hmm. anniversary of I like that new Uh, word. The existence of this gallery, which is the Nielsen Creative Center, which is way out here in Etobicoke by us, just north of uh, the Queensway. How convenient. Yeah. In fact, uh, Sheila used to teach watercolor painting there many years ago. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, So uh, Bruce invited us to take part in, well, to do the music for the celebration. Oh, I hope you film it. A little bit of it. Well, someone come to Toronto out. and film it
0: for us then. I know. I I wish I could. I think I'll be in a conference.
2: Ah. Otherwise I would have. So Bruce also invited us to put some work on a wall that's not being filled by this exhibition, which is behind the receptionist. And it was all very casual. Yeah. Uh and um today I hung that work. We made that is three so great. butterflies. I love it that is super fun what a
0: surprise it's I think that's the best way to have a surprise last minute show yeah
2: yeah and then uh that show opens actually tomorrow and yeah. goes on uh till the 23rd uh which is the day of the uh celebration in which uh we're going to be playing music as the Jack Antler old-time band excellent <laughs> so we've been rehearsing uh that. Uh, and the the actual main show is, uh, on one side of the room, it's Bruce Parsons' work. And on the other side of the room is his brother, John Parsons' work. And oh, the funny wow. thing is that I recognized him, John Parsons, even though we've never met. Oh. Because he's made numerous YouTube videos in oh, which geez. he sings songs and plays the ukulele. Oh my. Lou Dight. oh my god, did you have
0: any idea it was related to Bruce? I had no idea. How cool is that? Yeah, maybe he's uh, gonna be I, mean, play- I
2: knew before today, but um, but until recently, I had no idea. Maybe he can be in a future band with you. Uh, well, maybe. So Lou Dite, of course, is from Lou Dite. Oh, yeah. Okay, Luddite you going to share
0: Luddite. some videos on our Facebook
2: page, please. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure I will. So he was there setting up uh his work. So he has a, a suite of paintings which are really interesting. They're like diptychs. They're they're quite challenging in a way. They they deal one side with an abstraction based on a game and the other side of a simplified still life. Ooh, it sounds right up my alley. I like it. It's really interesting. I yeah. think you enjoy this quite a lot.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to uh that are you going um, to the opening tomorrow well it's just there's not a uh, an official opening it's oh just
0: open. it's really an official closing yes okay i get it i like that
2: that's always fun too at a,
0: at a, a show yeah yeah because you're so well, tired I'm- by sometimes you're so tired by the time you've set up an art show you're you're not able to enjoy it as much as if you've had the show and the closing you've got more energy in a way exactly
2: now there's one other element of this exhibition
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and that is there is a display case when you just enter the gallery a glass display case oh. and Bruce had this idea for something in the glass display case and that is to display the, the collages of our mutual friend artists oh now artists wow. um will be will be showing I think there's about eight new collages and two from 1967 or 68.
0: Oh, amazing!
2: So it really spans her early career, yes, uh, as a budding collage artist. Yes. She's now at 91, she's oh. doing these with the assistance of Sheila. Right, uh, who helps her cut with them the out, and the cutting and all of that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it really shows. Two phases of the artist collages. Um, Wow. They're really lovely. It's great to see them up there. Um, It was very generous of Bruce to do that.
0: Yes. Who else? Now, who else? So there's Bruce Parsons, John Parsons,
2: artist. Artist Breeze, uh, Sheila and me. Sheila and you. And then there's there's also another whole gallery, and I don't even know who's in that gallery. Well, how wonderful. That's great. For Toronto residents, and particularly if you live in Etobicoke or in the West End, uh, please come out and see the show on the 23rd. Between 2 and 4, the Jack Antler old-time band will be be sawing and scratching out some tunes. Wow.
0: Great. And do you have, um, if you can post uh, a poster for that or whatever you have social media wise too? Oh yeah, social media wise. Oh. Yeah, you know there might be a a clipboard or something of that, or
2: take I pictures. Will, take pictures tomorrow and post some. I will try to get some uh, some pictures. We're going to be there Saturday for sure. Okay, Saturday. So, yeah, sorry. I'll take some pictures then and, uh, and promote it. Sure and I may also play some music on Saturday.
0: And take some podcast business cards there. Okay. If you have some okay all right so there's the end of our 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 promotional um section of the show
2: (laughs) hey i wanted to talk about social media anyway oh uh because uh here in canada uh, a couple of large american corporations Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
2: namely facebook and google Mm -hmm. uh, have decided that since the government is requiring them to compensate journalists or news organizations, Canadian news organizations, um, for the use of their work. Facebook doesn't think that's a good idea. They think they should have free and unfettered access to the work of Canadian journalists and Uh, not pay anything. I wondered what that was. And so what they've decided to do is they've said, since the government of Canada has decided that we're going to be required to pay for journalism. We are going to block Canadian journalism from Facebook. In other words, you can't post a link to uh, Canadian news. You can't search for Canadian news because Google is the search engine Um, and they have just started apparently it's progressive and they're they're just starting to do uh, more and more restrictive things to try to force the government to back down. Uh, I don't think the government will back down because we put in our law right after Australia put in theirs, and mm-hmm. the social media companies back down at the last minute. There, I see. So this has caused me though to ask myself: Is Facebook my friend? No. Is Google my friend? Is there anything they do that is? for the good of our collective community. And more and more, the answers seem to be, they wanna own everything I have. They want to use my content free. They wanna use journalist contents free. And then they wanna mine the data and sell it to somebody else. So even we as users become uh, products that can be well, sold. All of that is true. That that's what they want,
0: but they are not allowed to use your imagery or your content for anything. They're not allowed to. um I think that the news organizations are totally in the right place to say you've got to pay for this. If it was on TV, it would be paid for.
2: There would be especially, ads. especially so, since journalism worldwide is in trouble. newspapers can't keep publishing um it's the world has changed and left behind some of the old school news outlets and it really hasn't shaken down as to how we'll get our news in the future now i don't care that facebook doesn't want to have news on it
0: i think the issue because facebook is a private corporation right just like twitter those are private companies that's why there's no freedom of speech on them your your company is allowed to say freedom of speech becomes an issue if the government stops you from saying what you want. That's an issue. That's a breach of freedom of speech. It's not a breach on any other format. Okay, um, censorship slightly different, um, depending on the ownership of the content, right? But if you have Google, which is also a private company, they are legally entitled to block news on their on their format. The problem is Google is a browser and search engine, so you should have everything on it. Right? Well, Google and Facebook is not the internet. A lot of people think Facebook's internet. Facebook is not the internet. The really? internet is on the internet, right? Wait, really? <laughs> I know you're teasing me. Okay. Yes. But I'm just saying, so where where do you get news online that that's what I think that's where I'm I'm going. Where does one get news online? If Facebook doesn't want to share news stories, fuck them. But there's lots of beautiful pictures of people's gardens, and our friends are on there, and there's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of grief, but there's lots of comedy. And that's the personal content of people posing, posting. However, Google, that doesn't seem like a good business model if you cut off access to any information. You're an information-gathering uh, access machine right well yeah I I'm not even sure why Google is in on this game why aren't they paying for anyone to put stuff on the internet
2: well they don't want to they would rather have pure profit using other people's work right right so uh, I don't think I that's guess... right I just don't yeah. think it's right.
0: Well, I guess, okay, so now let's articulate this a little further. So if I want to find ABC News or
2: or CBC News, I would search for it and then go to their website, correct? Uh, yes, but if Google blocks CBC News um, from their search and nothing comes up, what are you going to do? Well, then CBC
0: would have the their website on the internet somewhere, correct? Yeah, how do you search for it? All right, so it's actually... It should be a mutual
2: agreement between the two people, of course, it should be a mutual agreement. Uh, Facebook and Google and any other social media company has some cost to bear in this. They just don't get that their resources for free, which is what what right. they want right, especially given the astronomical profits of these companies. yes, yes. The, the profits of Facebook and Google has been. Crazy, yes, crazy, 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 and it's made their CEOs what, kajillionaires? yes. Uh, and meantime, you know, it, they're they're putting a noose around journalism in Canada. I think it stinks, and I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do about it. But what I'm leaning towards right now is keeping my Facebook account. Mm-hmm and not using it. Uh-huh. Um in other words, uh browse the groups. Yeah. That I like to browse. Don't yes. comment. Don't. Right. Um right. Like why should I give them my content? Whenever I make a comment, that's content that they're going to use. Correct. It gets shared, right? That's how you that's It gets the they're not using it but you and your friends are using they, it. But if nobody posts content, they have no Facebook
0: well, I agree. That is an actually a really interesting way to do it. I think it would have to happen en masse. And the United States is not preventing their news from going on there. What's scary to me um, is that the best news in the world is on BBC, Al Jazeera, CBC. And it is not ABC. It is not Fox News. It is not NBC. Those are adequate news stories, but they are ethnocentric. And what you want is from news from many, many perspectives to have a closer sense of what is happening in other countries. So that's a real problem. Facebook, to me, I feel like they're shooting themselves in the foot ethically. It's just a really stupid. Okay, how, no ethics. Petty. It's a petty. There's
2: no, petty. no ethics involved at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a petty, petty way to proceed. You know what? What is what is what would be the charge of sharing the news? What would they want? To, what does CBC want from them? Ten I cents. Ten cents.
2: I don't know what the numbers are really. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can't comment on that.
0: Yeah. Having said that, if you are a social influencer and you're on Facebook and you hit so many posts don't you automatically get advertising money from Facebook?
1: No, I don't know how that works.
0: I don't either. That's the thing. We really actually don't understand the algorithms and how they're working and what the numbers are. Is it but, really that?
2: But anything whose core is designed to drive the collection of data can't really be good. Um, well, and okay, one, but
0: let's not conflate Google with Facebook. Those are two different entities. They're not even remotely similar.
2: One I never percent. said they were, oh, however, both, were. both gather my data and sell it. Well, Google might, but Facebook is not legally allowed to. Facebook gathers all kinds of data, Candy. That's nonsense. Yes, but they're not supposed to sell it. Of course they
0: do. That's the core of your business. And then they have to make payments to people.
2: They don't. They're in the business of mining your data and selling your data that's that's how they make a living. So I'm not sure if I just want to give them any more data. So for our listeners, if you find that I've stopped posting on on the agency Facebook page, that's why because I just feel that they just want to take much more than they give. And so I may just not give them anything to take anymore. I think you should write them too. You have to
0: tell them that you're doing that. Why? They won't know that you feel you differently. Do care if I tell them? It's no. like at Walmart, all they're doing
2: is putting um, "no check, no cashiers." But I don't want to change the world, Candy. I don't care what they do. Okay. I just don't care what they do. I yeah. care what I do. Yeah. I care what my friends do. Yeah. And I think these people are bordering on evil. Yeah. And I really am getting sick and tired of dealing with them. I'm really just about done. Yeah. But yeah, there maybe, is no, there's no effective way. Like one person, there's no payback. It doesn't matter if they know that, oh, Eugene's not posting anymore. <laughs> Even if it's Eugene and Candy and Stag and right. a couple other people aren't posting, it isn't gonna matter. Right. The only thing that'll matter is if everybody stops posting. You know if- one day that will happen, but For me, I can't affect that. I can just say, do I want to deal with this devil or don't I?
0: There's a very interesting part that's hitting me about this story is it's to United States' advantage to not have Canadian news on social media. It's very much to their advantage to keep running this bullshit that they run of a crazy drama-filled spectacle of scandal Mm -hmm. and then um, to not have... You know oh well we won't pay for it well that's a great way i I mean in a weird way we almost should be sharing more canadian news on facebook if you have to cut and paste and put the news story on there you know what i mean like if it's a good story and an expose all the more reason to share it not that that's happening right now not that
2: there is but I, i guess in my mind These, these folks, this company, this corporation yeah, yeah. makes tremendous amount of money. yeah, Huge, ridiculous amount of money and yeah. really supports the, uh, the trend we've seen for the wealth rushing to the richest. Mm-hmm. And rushing away from the poorest. Right. And it's just downright greedy to say, we don't want to pay for for our resources we don't want to pay for the input i do agree on that i agree completely with that um, so i just don't like it i i know my little punishment at facebook my, i'm not going to post um is isn't going to do anything but um sometimes you have to stand on principle well
0: i agree i think i think what's really kind of sad is that for some people not necessarily you but a lot of their social life and a lot of how they are finding out about you know i don't go to Facebook for news. I I don't even care about you know I'll share the odd news article or science article or something. I don't you know you never find out does anybody else care about it was it interesting I don't know because you never get that super deep dialogue on Facebook. Sometimes you might get lucky and get a good conversation on Facebook, but what is it that we want from it? We want connection. We want to know what our friends are doing. We want to know. We want to see photos, right? So if you don't, it's I remember noticing that people who watch sitcoms, they generally seemed funnier than people that didn't. (laughs) They really did. I I really felt like anywhere you are, you can kind of figure out. And now does that mean that funny people tend to, you know, humorous personalities tend to be attracted to sitcom or is it also exercising a muscle of laughter and funniness in you? I don't know. Um, And the thing with Facebook is that especially when you get older and you're not hanging out with friends as much as you may have when you were younger, there's almost, it's almost like that is your voice of um, diversity, of friends and ideas in some ways, which that's a commentary that's sad as well. If that's your only social life, Facebook, that is kind of sad. Um, But it was created to be for friends to connect with each other on that platform it wasn't created to share news or stories or they never predicted cats Wee herman or george takai
2: they didn't wonder if it was created specifically to gather data i mean notwithstanding what they tell you in the facebook movie okay that's fair what was really what what was his actual motivation you get a good
0: you get a very good point for that and and touche i'm gonna go that that's extremely possible that could have been a business plan for it you're right. I, I don't know why I'm buying into the social network storyline. You're right.
2: Uh, um, I would never underestimate the power of, of selling data. It's it's so big in our country.
0: I feel, though, that I don't think anyone predicted. I don't even think he thought he was going to create a product that would go outside of universities for people to use for three or four years.
2: While you they were the Facebook in particular. Sorry? Aside from the groups, and there's, like, if you yeah. if you happen to be geeky like me yeah. and get really involved in arcane, obscure activities, <laughs> yes. you want to have some way of sharing that with people. And so Absolutely. we have groups. And True. Facebook facilitates that very, very well. Very, so like very that. well. And I also like the fact that we all have our friends that we see all the time, but there are also other people who are somehow connected, to, Yes, yes. Like Facebook uses the word friends, but really it's not necessarily friends. It might be relatives, acquaintance, business associates, but there's a whole group of people I think that we all have that we're connected to that it does us some good or provides some peace of mind to, to maintain those uh, connections, even if those connections are just there and we don't actually talk. There you go. I think that's what I'm trying
0: to to get come out of you, to call out of you. And I think, you know, I think that's exactly what I'm thinking is that I don't like the idea of them being petty bitches at Facebook and saying, well, then people can't share their favorite news story. They can't share about a car accident. Or why wouldn't you let people share if there was a rape in a neighborhood? You really and there was somebody out there on the loose doing it. You should be able to share that. And you know what? Someone worked hard to find out that story and they should get paid. Now, should it be a thousand dollars? No, they're already being paid at their job, but why not have a pay that goes to the writer? Is it 10 cents for every time someone reads the article? Maybe. It doesn't do matter.
2: Or is the payment to the news organization?
0: Well, there's another so, issue. There's another but, issue. Where who does take, it go to?
2: I would take either, frankly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Um, I think that and it and we're not asked and you know, I think the idea is how much did these companies, how much did CTV and CBS, CBC ask for? We don't do we know the figure they asked for?
2: I we what we do know is that they settled in Australia. I see. And right now
0: So this is a potential outcome that could be coming down the pike.
2: In Australia, they came to an agreement and I guess it was a negotiating tactic and they did the same thing they they started to block news in australia and then they came to an agreement i guess both sides came to the table uh, and i would hope that they they do that uh, here for me the biggest thing is that it highlights that really you know often you talk about corporations and how horrible multinational corporations big corporations are yeah why do the social media companies are the biggest and the ugliest and the horriblest of those corporations.
0: Well, they're the four horsemen right now. Yes,
2: it used to be General Mills.
0: It has exactly. moved a- it moved to Amazon and, and Twitter. I'm completely in complete agreement. I'm I've kind of, I'm not being a devil's advocate, but I'm more like I was trying to fish out what is what is what's the issue here. How do you reconcile um the situation? I don't like it that they're not sharing the news stories. And yet no. I do want to I do want to see funny memes. I do want to see funny memes. I need I them. In-
2: I actually don't care about seeing funny memes. If I never <laughs> saw another funny meme, or if someone never put a link to some some political thing on Facebook, right. I didn't care less. Yes. I just I don't look at them. And in yes. fact, every now and then, I get sucked into commenting on one. Yes. But then usually, I, I come to my senses, and I don't yes. do it for a long time. Right. Uh, Good for you. Because because you're stronger strong, so. positive there it just sucks you into the spiral of uh of horribleness yeah probably it does well I mean they
0: say at parties like if if this is a social media at parties what are, you're not supposed to talk about politics or religion right so maybe it's similar and I mean that's that I would say that would be a good rule and I think there's lots of people that don't do that that do do that they ignore the political posts and they just move on um and there there's definitely no reward in it there's no satisfaction it's a you know you've got a divided camp and it's a very obvious divided camp um unless you enjoy that sort of thing then i guess you're gonna do it
2: um well speaking of the of the social yeah. me- the social media and uh and journalism yes uh, i just watched a a movie with sheila that was all about a historic piece of journalism uh and it also ties into our recent podcast about serial killers
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, The film is from uh this year and it's called The Boston Strangler
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and it stars uh Keira Knightley and Terry Coon as uh two real life reporters um uh Loretta McLaughlin and uh Joan Cole uh who had to fight through a wall of uh sexism during Mm -hmm. the time of the boston strangler uh in order to get stories in order to be able to report in order to be able to be part of that so-called man's game Mm -hmm. that they that they had the nerve to to try to uh uh take a piece of Mm -hmm. Uh, and they have scenes in the film where you know the Kira uh, uh, Knightley's character, who's clearly a great reporter, gets assigned the lifestyle page. Yeah, you know, and she doesn't get a chance to do any hard reporting, right? Um, but she becomes, and historically was the the person who first connected the murders and said, "Hey, there's a serial killer here." Mm-hmm. Um, and her investigation was uh, was very persuasive, uh, and she was able to start writing about it. And then they teamed her with a more seasoned uh, female reporter. And they became uh, a team and were very, very well known as this tag team of uh, of reporters. Hmm. Uh, as well, women reporters in a man's world.
0: Yeah. Karen Knightley is really interesting. I, I always want to not like her. for I don't know why that sounded so sick. But I always think I'm not going to enjoy her. But she's a phenomenal actor. Phenomenal. I mean, I, I do I've grown to really love her. When I see her name, I'm like, do I want to see that movie? And then I'm like, yeah, she's really good. And plus the other woman is played by Calamity Jane, isn't it? Oh, I didn't recognize her. I, yes, I didn't right now you say that, Yeah. Yeah, from Deadwood. So I, I was like, I started when I watched that movie, I watched it about a year ago, I guess. And when it came out, and I, I, I glanced through it the other day just to get re-familiarized because i knew you had watched it and um it's a revisionist history really of the of this this story she coined the phrase boston strangler in fact yes and you know that's it's so fascinating because if you watch the movie with tony curtis the only women in it doing anything are being killed and yeah. they they even, I think they even have a journalist, and it's a guy, which to me seems shocking. It shows what an innovation this was to come upon the story. Is it the world's greatest movie? No. No. It's a but it's movie? A, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie, and it's a very good story. And then when you compare it to the original movie, I mean, the original is really – have you watched it in a long time?
2: Years and years ago.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's pretty – it's pretty 60s, which is really part of the charm of it. They do a montage, um, which is still very effective, even if it seems stylistically retro, where they'll have the, the murderer looking at mailboxes, and we never see him until the film's almost over, really, um, the last 20 minutes or so. And then you see the woman who's doing her her womanly household. Either she's watching TV or she's she's relaxing in her own space. Almost like a um Bernard impressionist painting, you know, of a woman in the bathtub or something, right? She's in her own space. And then you're you you get this fear. Um, but yeah, I thought it was so great to find out that new story about that it was female journalists that really were like, this is not normal. You know what my favorite part was? What? Wow. Was when they break the story and it goes in the paper and they're still catching all this shit, right? The police are trying to push them up down. And the next thing you know, someone comes over to their table with piles of mail. Yeah. And it's mail from, scene. isn't it a great seat? It's mail from guess who? Women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Women who are the victims of murderers care about these stories. And it's it's been like that with all the podcasts now and all the murder shows and Dateline, as we've talked about with Eva, and we've talked about a few times, is that this is a woman's issue. Uh, serial killers are a woman's issue in general.
2: Mm-hmm. In general, yeah. So I think uh, if if you've been following our discussions about serial killers, yeah. you might want to um, check this one out. It's you know, it's quite watchable. It's a good movie, and it is a really interesting uh, look at the history. Yeah, and in fact, the the actual murders and the strangler are really secondary to. To this film which is very very much a portrait of these two journalists
0: yes yes very much it's true it is secondary and um and then there's also the idea because I did not know even though I'd seen the Boston well the Boston Strangler is straight up one killer um and it's a very different story because they do portray him that he you know he had a terrible his father was violent beat him, beat, uh, beat his mother in front of him and the, his siblings, and then brought women home and had sex with them in front of them. So, I mean, this guy never... In the movie with Tony Curtis, he plays um, bipolar, but with a split personality type of bipolar, right? And um, that he blacks out and doesn't remember doing the killings. And that's why they were... Put him in the hospital, I guess. Um, but in the movie that with Kira Knightley... Um, they suggest that there was controversy about his confession, and that there may have been a
2: crossover of murders. Do you recall yes. that? Yeah, it, yes. that's
0: kind of creepy and interesting.
2: Yes, and the suggestion that these these men who are in prison together um, may have coached this one guy, and one guy may have only done one of the murders. Yeah, they they just made it muddy the waters. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, although. His DNA did come, Tony Curtis, uh, um, DeSalvo, the Boston Strangler that we know of, he, his DNA did match one of the murders for sure. They had saved it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought really good story. You know, really good story. And I think it came out on Hulu a streaming service. So that was kind of good, too. Um, what's going to happen? when? Are we going to have any... Um, I just saw, speaking of news, and you know what? Someone had screenshotted it. I guess that's why. It was just a shot about um, TIFF. Oh, they're doing a party about movies for the Toronto International Film Festival, despite the strike and the writer's strike. And of all people, it, the story headlines said Nickelback is going to play. I mean, you couldn't have picked a more right-wing fascist band to play if you tried.
2: Are they right-wing fascists?
0: Well, they certainly pals of harper oh
2: okay i don't know really supported,
0: supported him and and voted for him
2: Well, I just thought they're a bad rock band
0: they are a bad rock band and i don't think they're uh, good people <laughs> heard it here allegedly i don't think they're good people um i watched anna nicole smith documentary i don't know if you know who that was and i didn't know very much about her but she was a model And she died of drugs. But she was a very popular model, very gorgeous. And she had been in a lawsuit trying to get one of her husband's money because she married a very elderly man. And she was called a gold digger. She did not get any of his money, but it's just a a documentary about her life. I had no idea that she was from Texas. I had no idea she was um, a professional dancer at at a... gentleman's club or whatever you call it a stripper and that she was gay and our bisexual at least and i had no idea that she'd been taking painkillers since she was a teenager wow. So it a, yeah it was a very good story very sad kind of a marilyn monroe-esque storyline you know so that was pretty cool my salacious viewing and I finally got a chance to catch up on something that I stopped watching last year and forgot about was Next in Fashion. And I know you've watched the first season. Well, the second season was really good. Okay. Yeah, I recommend it. If you get restless. I don't know how far we it. are in that.
2: Sheila, Sheila watches those sometimes. And right. And AFI see it's on and sometimes it's good to do collages while a show like that's on.
0: I think that's a great, a great activity while
2: one of those shows is on. <laughs> yeah, they just don't take a lot of attention span. No, that's true. That is true.
0: Do you know anything about a Blue Rider Theater in New York City back in the day with Tom Waits?
2: No. No, I know Tom Waits had some involvement with the theater in Chicago, the Steppenwolf Theater. He did. Uh, yeah, I believe he put on uh, Frank's Wild Years there. Uh, it was really. On for a while time
0: wow wow
2: yeah i guess i would have been in the 90s
0: interesting i did not know that well i'm just trying to find out things about it i'm in the middle of researching that too Um,
2: okay yeah we we entered our chaos here um at the same time i decided well the garden has produced so many hot chilies i guess it's time to (laughs) add up some hot sauce oh wow
0: because you weren't busy enough that's right and it wasn't hot enough, so you thought you'd cook.
2: Well, there's not there's no cooking involved, actually. Oh, I did not know that. I'm sorry. Processes. Well, there's two ways of making the of making hot sauce. One is canning, and that involves the use of vinegar. And okay. uh and it involves cooking in order to um in order to preserve it. Um, but the other way is uh to use a process called lacto fermentation. Hmm. I think we talked about it a little bit this year on this podcast last year this podcast, yeah because yeah so I, I... I did it for the first time with uh, hot chilies last year and really? i had pretty decent results i didn't like the final texture of it and i've been doing some more research uh so i think it's going to be better plus i went completely crazy and i bought <laughs> two kits before oh. i just used a mason jar yeah and then to hold the um to hold the vegetables the, the chilies in under the brine so it doesn't get exposed to oxygen okay. i used uh like a baggie full of water oh interesting right and that that became the de facto lid and oh. and then you have to let out the gasses so yeah. you have to do some kind of way for the gasses to bubble out well it turns out you can get a kit. And is a wide mouth mason jar uh-huh. a glass weight and a lid that has a little blue nipple on top wow and when you want to ferment up say a batch of hot sauce uh you um you make a brine which is about three tablespoons of salt for a liter of water mm. Uh, and you pour the brine over the vegetables in the jar. You weigh them down, and you wait. Yeah. And the reason it works is fascinating to me. What happens is this: you've created a salty environment, mm-hmm. and you've you you haven't even sterilized your jars. You've washed your jars, but you haven't even sterilized them. You put your your hot chilies in, and you add this brine. Yeah. first thing that happens is um, the presence of uh, a bacteria, which is common everywhere, called Lactobacillus, asserts itself. Okay. Uh, and proceeds along with the salt to kill off all the bad bacteria <laughs> by just luck or divine intervention. I don't know. Uh-huh. uh, the, uh The bad bacteria don't like salty environments, but lactobacillus loves salty environments. So first it kills off all the nasties and then it starts fermenting, which means it changes the sugars that are in the chilies um, into lactic acid. And Mm -hmm. lactic acid is sour Mm -hmm. and lactic acid is a natural preserver. So, by creating lactic acid through fermentation, you preserve your vegetables. Interesting. Is this a little bit like kimchi? It's exactly like kimchi. Ah, And you know what else it's exactly like? It's sauerkraut. Oh, yeah. They all use the same lacto-fermentation process. So, you're going to have sour, hot chilies? That's going to be the base of the hot sauce.
0: Oh, it's going to be so good.
2: So um, the way I'm going to do it this year is I'm going to pour out the brine. Yeah. And then put all my chilies into a blender and add in some of the brine back in again. Just enough so that it'll blend. Mm. And you blend it all, puree the heck out of it um, as fine as you possibly can do it. Uh, and then that is going to get poured into a strainer. Mm. and you press it through the strainer Mm. into a bowl Um, and what you're left with is the pressed dried remains of the the chilies with as much liquid as possible having gone through the the strainer nice okay the stuff that's gone through the strainer let's call it hot sauce okay bottle it up and and keep it in the fridge yeah Uh, meanwhile what's left of your chilies you can put in your handy dandy dehydrator if you have one <laughs> uh-huh. and you can dry it and make it into like a chili powder
0: wow i love it no waste
2: no waste and they so still
0: can... have chili flavor in them after all that
2: yes wow
0: they, that is they actually cool.
2: transformed they've been fermented that's super cool so um that's why uh a good chili sauce tastes hot and sour wow wow so the next question is: What is the difference between, say, Tabasco or Frank's and lacto fermentation?
0: Right, right. Uh, plantation. Uh, yeah. What is the difference?
2: Well, they start the same way um, by by lacto fermentation, but then they they take their final chilies and they add vinegar mm-hmm. and they cook it and can it. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why they do it is because they they want to sell umpteen jillion bottles of Tabasco. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't want it to go bad. They want it to have a long shelf life. Right. So right. in order to do that, you have to stop the, the fermentation process and you have to can it, which means you need to have vinegar.
0: There so, is a kind of addictive flavor to that vinegar in it, too. It's sort of become you know, it becomes part of what that product is.
2: Yeah. But you also get sour if it's just fermented. And I think it has a much, much more interesting character. Yeah,
0: I agree. It's a warmer character, warmer, not hot. I don't mean spice. I mean more umami almost. That's right. And and I
2: think actually it's usually less hot than a canned hot sauce because the fermentation process um, mellows, takes the edge off a lot a little bit that's
0: exactly yeah because the vinegar is kind of aggravating that in a way but a lot of people are used to that you know it's such a popular product but
2: I think your method there is going to be really delicious wow one of the things that interests me about it is that once you bottle it Uh put it in the fridge the lacto-fermentation process will continue Yes,
0: yes. Well, look at it will I,
2: continue slowly because it's being refrigerated and that slows everything down. Right. But it will mature and the hot sauce will taste different in 3 months than it will the day I bottle
0: it. Yeah, you know I get um mother-in-law kimchi at Whole Foods. And it says mother-in-law kimchi and it tells you open carefully. When I open it, it just starts coming out the top of the jar.
2: Yeah. That's amazing. it's a really interesting process Uh, and you can lacto ferment any vegetable Mm. so what I've done is I have red chilies green chilies some tomatoes from our garden Mm -hmm. and some garlic whole cloves of garlic I'm fermenting as well Mm. so that my uh My final product won't just be the product of the fermented chilies. It will also have the tomatoes and the garlic action going on. Delicious, delicious. I'm I'm hoping it will be successful. So far, it's a week along. And so far, we're starting to see the color of the chilies get a little bit duller, which is what you're looking for. And it doesn't have a bad smell, which is also what you're looking for. And it's got bubbles coming off the chilies. Yes, yes. If I didn't use the kit and I didn't have some other way of releasing the gas and you just put a regular mason jar lid on it, it would likely explode the the jar.
0: Yeah, I always wonder why the mother-in-law kimchi I get doesn't
2: explode the jar, but it doesn't. I don't know why. Uh, Maybe they've done something to stop the fermentation.
0: No, it it grows right out of the jar when you open it. Hmm.
2: Could be as timing. They sell it fresh.
0: Yeah, maybe yeah
2: maybe there's a a shelf life on it yeah
0: yummy sounds delicious and like a lot of fun what are you going to put all this chili sauce on everything everything <laughs> great
2: <laughs> sounds very
0: very lovely
2: well I like my chili sauce
0: yeah very nice mm-hmm.
2: So that's really it for me.
0: Yeah, that's it for me, too. I guess for I'll talk podcasting. to you again soon. Let's go try to see a movie and talk about it. Okay. At the theaters. Okay. Yeah, and please, we would love to have email from anyone out there, just even just to say hi. I'd like to say happy birthday to Adamandia again, one of our um, podcast friends. And please um, email us at theagency.podcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> Great.
2: Catch you later. Over and out. See ya. Peace.